Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joey. It is good to be back. I missed you all. Did you miss me? Good. You should. I actually love what I do. It is a privilege and an honor. I enjoy my time with all of you on a weekly basis. It's good to get some time off. We took some time off with my wife's family. Uh, we did some kayaking. Thank you very much. Uh, we did actually a number of things. All of my wife's family came up here. Um, I know some of you right now are overwhelmed by the graphic behind you, but we'll get to that in a minute. I've got to give you some personal updates. Uh, took some time with Jenny's family. They're uh, spread all over. Actually, that's right. Uh, my sister and brother-in-law shared. You guys were here for that. That was pretty cool. What a great testimony. So we did that, and then uh, I took a couple of weeks and uh, worked on our new home. We're building a new house, so I got to do trim out on that. That was fun. I did make a personal discovery during my time trimming out my house. You guys ever have that that like deep-rooted, aching, gnawing sense of emptiness that you're not sure why it's not filled? Yes? No? Well, I found out what was causing that in my life and the solution to it. Uh, turns out I needed new tools. And having new tools, I found that my, my inner soul was satisfied in a way that had not been uh, satisfied in a long time. They're doing some crazy stuff with battery tools these days, let me tell you. And if you're not on that wagon, you got to get on it quickly. <laughs> After that, we did some, uh, my brother and I, with a couple of his kids, went up north uh, to do some hunting on the Tanana. You guys, who here has moose hunted? So, several, moose hunted. Have you gone moose hunting? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, so, we hunt in an any bull area, so uh, basically anything with horns you can shoot. And you guys, you guys know, of course, that uh, this, this shot, like head-on, is a difficult shot to make, right? Especially if it's distance. But more difficult than this shot would be this shot, right? Like that would take more, more marksmanship skill, right? To, to hit the, the beam of the antler like square on in a way that you actually removed it. Like that would be pretty good, right? And even more so if it was like several hundred yards away. Like that would be a pretty impressive shot, right? Well, I don't know if you know this, but your pastor is quite the marksman because uh, I blew that sucker clean off of his head. But here's the best part. I was the backup shot. This is David's moose. <laughs> so after David had shot his moose, I blew David's moose's antler off. So I'm his favorite uncle. That was great. Christy got one too. My niece got a big bull, which was great. Anyways, it was, uh, it was good. In fact, David and I were standing in the marsh one night, and I said to David, I whispered, because we're calling, do you ever notice that all of the individual parts of moose hunting are actually miserable? Right? You're wet, you're cold, there's bugs. It's all terrible. And you add it all together, and it's just amazing. 
So we're going to, uh, I'm going to jump into a series that honestly over the last like couple of months I've kind of done some digging of my own thoughts in this realm and then kind of debated whether or not I would tackle it or how I would tackle it. Um, but uh, I want to jump into a series that really kind of takes head on uh, some of the, uh, what I would call sort of social, political, cultural issues that we're facing right now. How many of you would say that in the last six months, that with all of this stuff going on in the world, or in our country, or in our state, with everything going on, how many of you would say that you personally have experienced those things as adversity? Like it's been difficult for you personally? Yeah, several of you, right? It's been weird for me, for sure. Difficult as a, as a, as a pastor. The follow-up question is that as you've experienced these things going on, as you've experienced them personally as adversity or as difficulty or as a challenge, have you at the same time considered it all joy? Not once. Because <laughs> isn't that what the scripture calls us to do in the midst of adversity, in trial? So this is sort of, I'm going to kind of build a premise here, and then we're going to pursue this uh, going forward. This morning is going to be uh, sort of a foundation, but it is in the midst of, of social unrest, of political unrest, uh, that those armed with a proper understanding of the kingdom of God not only maintain joy, but grow in joy as they behold the rule of Jesus being established on the earth. They're not just surviving with the same amount of joy, but because of new ways that they're seeing his kingdom be established, their joy is increasing. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to address some political uh, issues. I'm going to address power and freedom. We're going to talk, I've actually had young believers asking about socialism and capitalism. Uh, there's lots of discussion about deconstructionism, that is taking systems of government and of power and, and disassembling them. Well, what is the role of the believer in all of this and how does this parallel with the kingdom of God and its establishment on the earth? Some, some valid questions, right? What do we got to lose? Let's just go for it, right? So what I'm going to do today, today I'm just going to lay a foundation because there's a couple of real key truths that uh, will be pertinent, will be relevant to our discussion going forward that I'm going to, in, in the coming weeks, I'm going to refer back to. So we need to get some, some basic things sort of in the ground. But this is my goal. My goal is not to actually steer you politically, although that may be some fruit. My goal is that you would find joy in joining with God in the building of his kingdom right here and right now. That's my goal. So, are you guys ready? Yeah, you're here, and it would be awkward at this point if you left. So, yeah, 
here we go. So the first thing I want to do is I want to define the kingdom of God. It is a primary theme of the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. Uh, It's one of the primary points of discussion. Those two authors really wanted to focus in on what God was talking about or Jesus was talking about in his ministry when he talked about the kingdom. So let's define this. I want to make this real practical, real down to earth. Here's the first uh, definition of the kingdom of God, and I'll unpack this. It is the realm of, wow, we're already off to a bad start, and I didn't catch that the first service. It is the realm of God's effective rule, not the God's, plural. It is the realm of God's effective rule. I should hold my hand up and cover that word in the projector. I can't get there. It is the realm of God's effective rule. So Damon, skip forward two slides real quick. I want to explain what that means. You guys, have, you guys know where this is? You've seen this map before? This is the Korean Peninsula. Um, anyone here been to South Korea? You've been to South Korea? Oh, through, going through to the Philippines. Or did, oh, you're from South Korea. <laughs> was a good one. Cool, cool. <laughs> I've been through the airport. That's my experience with South Korea. I've actually been through Seoul, Korea a number of times. Um, but as you well know, South Korea is a democratic nation. Uh, it is a very free nation. And North Korea is a, a dictatorship. It is a very uh, not free nation, right? So, uh, who's the guy in charge of North Korea? Kim Jong-un? Yeah. Uh, He is the ruler of North Korea. And so, within the boundaries of North Korea, what he says goes, right? And if you live within that boundary, you are under his rule. You are within the realm where his will is accomplished because he's a dictator. Now, if he says to someone living in South Korea, hey, you need to do this, doesn't matter. He's not king there, right? So let's go back to our definition. Back up, yeah, right there. So another definition would be the realm within which God's reign is experienced. So God's kingdom is is the territory within which his reign as king is our experience. Which is why the kingdom of God is within you and outside of you. To the degree that your heart is under the rulership of Jesus, the reign of Jesus, and that that's your experience, then your heart is inside of the kingdom of God to the degree that you live your life outwardly according to the will of Jesus and his rulership dictates your actions and behavior towards others, then your life is inside the kingdom of God because he is king over your life. So you tracking so far? This is why in the prayer that we know very well, Matthew 6.10, Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done because where his will is done as he desires that is his kingdom now just to just to clarify here 
God's ultimate will over all things is being accomplished. We're talking about his effective will. How many of you bumped into someone this week who was not living according to the will of God? Anyone? Probably ran into a couple people. Your kingdom come, your will be done. May, may the territory where your will rules ever expand. He says in Matthew 17, or Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but who? The one who is within the will of my father, because that's what it means to be inside the kingdom. He's not talking about the one who is perfectly obedient. He's talking about the one who by faith, according to God's uh, will, has entrusted themselves to Jesus. That's the person who will be in his kingdom. So God's kingdom is the area within which his reign as king is experienced, where his rule is accomplished. How do we then gain access to his kingdom? Matthew 4, 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this is what Jesus was preaching. He says, uh, so repentance is a 180 degree turn. So you're walking one direction, and it's contrary to the will of God. And he says, if you repent, which means you turn the opposite direction, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning it's right there. You're only ever one step away from the boundary of the kingdom of God. Because the moment that I say yes to the will of God, I have placed myself back under his rulership right? So it doesn't matter if you've been wandering from the will of God for 10 minutes or 10 years, you can at any point in time choose to repent. And guess what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right there. And as soon as you make movement towards God, placing yourself under his kingship, you have returned to the kingdom of God. It's a miracle of the grace of God that we are never more than a step away from the boundary of his kingdom. It's a decision to make a 180 degree turn, to go the opposite direction, to place myself inside the boundary of his kingdom so that I can experience his rulership, his reign over my life. That's the kingdom of God. You dragging so far? So I want to give you this morning, again, this is a foundation. I'm going to refer back to these things um, over the coming weeks. But I want to give you three non-negotiable characteristics of the kingdom of God that are laid out in Scripture. I'm going to give you a couple examples, but they're laid out in many other places as well um, that we must grab a hold of if we're, going to, uh, if we're going to take our understanding of his kingdom and kind of apply it more broadly to our lives. The first one is this. It is a kingdom of unstoppable increase. It is a kingdom, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of unstoppable increase. Matthew 13, 31, Jesus told them a parable. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed teeny tiny mustard seed and a man took and he sowed it in his field 
And even though it's smaller than the onion seeds and the cabbage seeds and the rutabaga seeds, remember when those were a thing? Even though it's smaller than all of those seeds, it grows larger than all of the garden plants and it becomes a tree covering the garden so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. That's the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. It's like yeast. Which a woman took and hid it in three pecks of flour. Do you know how much three pecks of flour is? I don't either. Probably like maybe like a wheelbarrow. Let's go with that. Three wheelbarrows of flour. And in mixing the dough, some leaven, some yeast was added to it. And what happens when you add yeast to any amount of dough and you mix it in? Eventually, that yeast permeates all of the dough, right? Once it's been added, you cannot stop that permeation. It's going to make its way chemically through the whole ball of dough. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like that yeast that snuck into the dough, and eventually the whole ball of dough becomes leavened. Jesus says my kingdom is a kingdom of unstoppable increase. It is growing. It will continue growing until what? It covers all. It will continue growing until it's the only kingdom. Barna Research uh, says that uh, from 2003 to 2018, the number or the percentage of Americans that identify as Christian has dwindled from 80% to 70%. At the same time, Americans who identify as atheist, meaning they believe that there is no God, has grown the same amount from 10% to 20%. Barna also found that half, 50% of practicing Christian millennials, millennials is the generation just below me, half of practicing Christian millennials believe that evangelism is morally wrong. Guess what? The kingdom of God is one of unstoppable increase. It doesn't matter what bad news you've heard today or will hear tomorrow or next week. The kingdom of God on the earth is growing. And if you don't see it growing, look again. How does it grow? It grows within you by being conformed to the image of Jesus, by placing your life under his rulership, and it grows beyond you by making disciples of Jesus. You want to be a participant in the expansion of the kingdom of God on this earth? Make disciples. It's a kingdom of unstoppable increase. Number two, it is a kingdom of incomparable value. 
Matthew 4.23, Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, which is an interesting phrase, the gospel of the kingdom, meaning he was teaching the message of the good news of God's kingdom. Well, the message of the good news of God's kingdom is that there is going to be an ever-increasingly realm on our earth where God's reign is experienced, and that's good news for all those who experience it. Matthew 13, another little uh, couple of parables. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found, and then he hid it again, and from joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has, and he buys the field. Kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls, and upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. When we, as followers of Jesus, get a foretaste of what life is like within the will of God, and we exist within the confines of the will of God, of the reign of God, long enough to see the fruit of that, to see the blessing of it, and to see the, to see the value of it. Our desire to see his kingdom come more fully within us and beyond us greatly increases. We're motivated by the goodness of his rule. And it becomes not only of great value to us, it becomes our highest value. More valuable than all else. Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom. Seek that his will would be done in your life and through your life. And all of the other things that are you're concerned about in your life will follow. So it's a kingdom of unstoppable increase, it's a kingdom of incomparable value. And lastly, it is a kingdom of permanent division. Matthew 13, 47, one last little parable. Kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea, gathering up halibut and salmon and lingcod and gray cod and Irish lords, starfish, and sea urchins, and an accidental sea otter. <laughs> and when it was all filled, they brought it up on the beach, and they sat down at the sorting table, and they sorted all of the good fish into containers, and the bad they threw away. The kingdom of God is, is, is going to culminate in a permanent divide between those who want to be under his perfect rule and those who do not. Do you know that there's coming a time on earth when the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness will no longer be commingled? The kingdom of darkness and all those who want to live within it will be forever, fully, finally, completely removed. And the reign of Jesus on the earth and in our hearts will be experienced perfectly. Can I get an amen? 
Amen. There will come a time at the, at the final advancement of God's kingdom on the earth when God's will will be done on earth just like it's done in heaven. That's what we're moving towards. And this is our joy, that in the midst of what seems like a world in chaos, the kingdom of God's Son, the kingdom of heaven, is growing on the earth and moving towards its inevitable, full, and final establishment, where he will be king. We're going to take a couple minutes. We're going to worship together. I want to remind you of something. When Jesus sat with the disciples, broke the bread, and took the cup, he said, I want you to do this together. But the next time that you do it with me will be when? Do you remember? In my kingdom. When my kingdom is fully established. And we look to that day. Would you guys stand? Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We long for your rule. We long for the establishment of your kingdom. We look forward to the day when your love, your truth, will be everything, will be all in all, and will be the totality of our experience with you. Until that day, give us the grace right now to join with you in the establishment of your reign here on earth, both in our own hearts, wherever you're calling us to repent and submit, and in our lives as we advance your purposes here. We pray this in Jesus' name.